0: When i just got saved there was a season in my life where there was a man by the name of andrew murray my dad's personal hero who was walking along one day to some of you here you're going to think this guy's it's unrealistic it's not but he was walking along and he stumbled and they were in like a revival time but he you know since brought that revival in and he stumbled and he looked around he was with a group of people and he they said to him are you okay and he said for a moment there i lost the presence of the lord and there's a place that we can walk with God in His presence. And when I got saved, that something descended on me for like six months. I don't know how to explain it. I was working for the church, literally living in a closet. I'm not kidding. I was living in the closet, like this big closet that they made into a room. I would sold my car. I was earning a lot of money. I was doing great in the world. I got saved, ruined everything, but gave me everything at the same time. I sold my car, gave away my TV, all my games, all my stuff. I lost my job, I just for nothing. I just went to work for the church and I would get I would just spend time with the Lord, time with the Lord. I was young, I had no responsibilities, so I could do that, just spend hours and hours with God and got to learn his presence. And for those 6 months I would walk around that big church property. It was about a couple hundred acres, about 150 acres. And I walk around this huge church property, and I would literally feel the presence of the Lord leave me. And I would run into a room. I remember running into bathrooms, under trees, anywhere I was, and just begin to cry out saying, God, 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 where are you, where are you, where are you? And then God began to teach me that it's, you know, I, it's not about feeling Him all the time. But there was this, this desperation for the presence of the Lord. And and I really believe that the presence of God, you can spend 10 years in counseling or you can spend 10 minutes in God's presence and He can do far more. And there has to be a manifest, tangible sense of God's presence. For me, it's the one sign, and I don't like to use the word success because I don't think God looks at churches like we look at. But I would rather have a church of five people filled with presence and 500 people filled with nothing because there's nothing like it there's nothing like it amen all right well good afternoon everyone i had some water please could have some water that'd be great and um i trust you well and welcome to the visitors it is good to have you i don't know the time which is dangerous there i have it i would like to share something today very practical and uh and get into something very practical i've been speaking about identity for the last couple, almost for a month and a half now. And uh, some of you might think, here we go again, down, identity, identity. I'm actually doing a school of identity with the young people, which is amazing that when you begin to show young people the gospel, I just, just basically showing them the gospel, showing them the grace of God, the gospel, what actually took place. And, you know, for so many years they tried to read and try to pray and do the, the Christian thing. And when you begin to offend the mind with truth... I learned this with young people. You offend the mind, they go to Scripture to try to prove you're wrong, and then they grow. And so they, they, they're reading and reading and reading, and I'm getting questions and questions, and you know they come and they're like, I read the whole book of this, I read this book, I read that book, and they're devouring Scripture and encountering God while they're trying to learn about who they are. And it's a wonderful thing, and that's why I really believe it's such an important topic. So we might touch on that this morning, but this morning, because that'll just naturally come out of me, I want to speak about tending fire. If you can go to Luke chapter 6. I want to speak about tending fire. And uh, what I mean by that is in the Old Testament, as we know in the Old Testament, there's, a, um, there's the natural, there's the practical. In the New Testament, the spirit. The Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 6, it says this, 6 verses 12, Beck. It says... And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. A fire shall always, sorry, every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the the fat of the peace, peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning, verse 13, on the altar. It shall never go out. When you get saved, there's a fire that comes into your heart. It's the fire of the lord and we all have a fire of god in us we all have that's just the, the new testament way of looking at it there's a fire and everybody knows that you can see those people who are burning hot for god there's zeal and i'm not just talking about you know zeal without knowledge there's a passion there's a fervor there's a fire in a person's heart and some of us are like burning hot for god some of our people are like embers and some people are, are almost dead it's a fact and but god always wants to blow his wind god always wants to blow his wind god always wants to fan to flame the passion the heart the love they're just the heart for god he wants to blow by his spirit he wants to blow on it but we all tend our own flame we all tend our own fire in our hearts it's a fact and as we go through life stuff will come and i find Uh, after years and years of being in ministry and even my own personal walk the things that put out fire mostly um, is life just stuff it's life it's tiredness it's offenses it's all these things but i want to talk to you about building well you know building not a well building strong and building well for the long term Something very practical, something very simple. Because I've seen people set on fire for God for a year or two. But where are they in 20 years? Where are they in 10 years? To tend that fire and to continually tend that fire it doesn't mean you need to be bouncing off the walls with energy and excitement for God. And I, Excuse me, but I look at George and Patsy. There's a calmness, there's a, there's a love and a passion for God that, you know, I don't know, few hundred not 80 years old there's this passion for God that is just they've tended a fire so it does it it's got nothing to do with your personality it's got nothing to do with your volume it's got nothing to do with your level of excitement it's deep inside you there's a fire for the Lord and every person tends that on their own heart no one can tend it for you not your spouse no one and that fire it takes attention and it's interesting, the Bible says the priest must put wood on it every day. There's a constant adding to that fire, adding to that, the fuel for that fire, which is actually the Word of God. But if you can go to Luke 6, I think you're already there. He talks about this. He says this, Luke 6, verse 46. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man. Let me just say, friends, this text struck my heart in the last week. And I began to actually cry yesterday when I just began to read it. Because it says this, he is like a man building a house who dug deep. And when I read that phrase, who dug deep, I don't know why, but tears just began to fill my eyes because at every single, at any time, In a person's life this time the season will come upon you where every person gets stripped away everything gets taken away and it's you and God and nobody else who's been there yeah all right in that season you will have to dig and you will have to dig deep and it's interesting I wrote you he dug deep dig past certain things you dig past Well, this is what i've been told all the time you know this is what i learned growing up in the church all of a sudden that doesn't work anymore you have to dig past churchianity you know i'm going to church and all of a sudden that doesn't help anymore and you have to dig past everyone what the faith of others you look around and you see people on fire and you get around them and it's good and then even harder you have to begin to dig past maybe even the faith of your parents The faith of those who, or or your spiritual parents even. People that toy and you have to begin to dig. All of a sudden you can't live off their faith. All of a sudden you can't live off their fire. All of a sudden you can't live off that. It just doesn't seem to work anymore. And now you're left with a choice. Do I dig? Do I dig? And eventually you get to bedrock. And in that place, man meets God and God meets man. And unfortunately a lot of people don't dig they don't get there but there will come a season in your life where you will be required to dig and you will be required to lay a foundation in your heart that is more than excitement that is more than zeal without knowledge it's a foundation of absolute truth and when that is laid no one can shake you you're unshakable and we've all met people like that. yeah. It says this. He is like a man who, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, you know in the Bible there's when's and if's? Go do a study for the scholars. It's very interesting. When you fast, not if. When you fast, when you pray. When the storms of life come, they will come. Yet the Bible also says, if you sin. When this, if. And we've all surrendered ourselves, well, we're just going to sin forever and just keep, keep, you know, on that cycle. When the storms come, if you sin. I'm not saying these perfect people, but what I am saying is that there's a passion for God that begins to change you from the inside out. That you don't, you. I did this thing with the young people last week. That you're more God-conscious than sin-conscious. So many people are trying to focus on what not to do that they have they've forgotten God. You know. And it says here, uh, where were we? He is like a man, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard. And did nothing. <sighs> when that season comes, and some of us are in it, for some of us you will be in it, some of us have been through it, and it will come back. But when that season comes, you will discover that two questions, basic questions, become, begin to rise up in your heart. Not these fancy, theolog- basic questions. Questions like, who is God? Questions like, what does God think of me? what are God's thoughts towards me? Those base truths begin to come up in your mind. And now you've got to wrestle with something that any man or woman who's ever walked with God and counted for God has had to wrestle with. Because it cannot come from any other person. Hello? These are truths, facts. And you begin to dig, and you begin to wrestle with these things. And then he says for it was founded on the rock, and that's what that means. He says, but he who heard and did nothing. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about a man is what comes to his mind when he thinks of God. Or woman. The most important thing about a person is what comes to their mind when they think of God. And it's not so much about doing right or doing wrong even. He says, I will show you a man who heard and did nothing. Leonard Ravenhill, I think I said it somewhere, Leonard Ravenhill said, what do you do to go to hell? Nothing. Just do nothing. That's what Leonard Ravenhill said. What do you do to go to hell? Nothing. Just do nothing. That's all. He says you don't have to thumb your nose at God. You don't have to blaspheme the name of Jesus. You don't have to be an adulterer. Just coast on. For the greatest sin in the world is not adultery or some terrible act. The greatest sin in the world is I can manage my life without God. Just do nothing. Very powerful truth. I remember Leonard Ravenhill preaching that and shouting that from the pulpit. I'll show you like a man whose house gets swept away. He says, but he, he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat. I can't say that word properly. And immediately it fell in the ruin of that house was great now unfortunately this was supposed to be an encouraging encouraging message it's coming out a little different but it's okay friends i read that with a with uh with the urgency in me because i read that and i think of the western church i read that i think of people you know the pew fillers the people that we just we do the thing we go to church and it's we hear and do nothing and it's not a it's not a rebuke but I've seen many people in third world countries, they hear one truth and they run with it. And it's very difficult to sometimes sit in church week after week after week and have all this truth. You know, it is very, very difficult. Because we're so overfed. So, but the Bible says, Jesus is teaching, that he said, what are you doing with what you know? What are you doing with what you're hearing? Because those who hear and do nothing, the storms of life, they will come. They are coming so to come to god and say now i'm not going to have any problems jesus said if you come to me the world will hate you if you do not gather with me you scatter i know these are just scripture you either do that or you do that and the storms of life will come and the people whose destiny whose houses who everything they're trying to build everything they're doing is you hear but don't do anything Now i know there's challenges of time and we can get into all of that but i want to give you a few things that have helped me in my own life and in others that i've seen and studied there's probably a million but for me some very basic things because the point of the teaching is many people start to dig deep when the crisis comes and it's too late it's too late we can and we have to but the point of what jesus is teaching he said i'll show you a man Here's what I here's what I say. So there's a relationship of trust. Lord, I don't understand, but I'll do it. It was said of David, he is a man after my own heart. Why? Because he will do whatever I ask him to do. So it's a very simple relationship with the Lord. Hear, do. I don't know why, Lord, I, don't. I trust you. I do. And he said, I'll show you, man, that he is... So when the storm comes, it beats against the house. So it's not... Digging deep into God in the crisis, we obviously need to do that. That's mostly going to be prayer. For every of you who've been in a crisis, it's on your knees. But there's already something built when the storm comes. And that's what I want to speak about. Because many of us, we will wait for, and I know I've done this many times, it's not a, I've done it many times. I wait for crisis before I begin to dig. Who's, yeah, I'm not alone. Thank you, Alice. It's you and me. Well, she's like, no, there were others, I promise. She started, <laughs> we wait for crisis before we begin to dig. But God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, and we can dig and build strong and build sure, so that when things come, we're not rattled, we're not shaken. Yeah? So, go to Matthew 16. You can keep your finger in Luke 6, we're coming back. Because there was another time that Jesus spoke about building on a rock. And I'm trying to be very practical and very basic. When the flood arose, how do we build well? I might have to do this over two weeks, but how do we build well? How do we, simple things, how do we build strong for the long term? So that in five years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, we've tended the fire and the fire of God is burning not through your personality per se, deep inside. Firstly, get revelation. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, it's a famous verse, Who do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? Sorry, uh, are you with me? Well done, Rebecca. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? And that's the whole aspect of digging deep not what does everyone around you say what do you say and that it, that'll come and for young people let me speak to young people your parents have given their lives for you they've done everything they can to teach you but their faith will not help you at the end I, i'm not trying to be serious today it's just coming out of me like that because there's a passion in me to see young people actually take that inheritance and grow and go beyond don't reinvent the wheel but know for yourself who you are and what you believe so where are we says here why do men who who do men say that i the son of mine am then he said but who do you say that i am simon peter answered and said you are the christ the son of the living god Jesus said, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. Famous verse, we all know this. What was actually happening there? And I've said this before, I'll say it quickly. I had images to show you. But i forgot to give them to rebecca there was in that actual thing jesus often used puns like play on words we don't know that he did if you study ancient hebrew you see um, that he was actually standing there was a cliff face and etched into that cliff face were these gods these like arches with gods and idols and stuff and they were built statues and because there was this cliff face and then there was this big like rock facade probably about size of this room because i've seen the pictures maybe a little bigger And then there was this massive cave over here, an entrance to a cave. The Greek culture at the time, one of the the beliefs in that area is that cave was the entrance to hell. Because you know Greek philosophy, entrance to hell on the earth and all of that. They believed that cave was one of them and they used to do sacrifices there and terrific stuff would happen there. Because they believed that was one of the entrances to hell. And then there were all these gods and these statues of gods and all these gods etched into the rock and the main god that was worshipped there was the god of pan p-a-n which was all about sexual immorality it was like a new testament form of Baal. and it's interesting because one of the celebrities came out and just said she came up with a new word said she's pangender meaning that anything goes and i said to my wife there's a spirit whispering that in her area in her ear, because there's nothing new on the earth. That was around two thousand years ago. It's the god of Pan that was what's worshipped. Jesus went and stood in the middle of that stuff, with his disciples, with idols and sacrifices and stuff going on, and in the middle of all that demonic, there was a demonic principality there in Caesarea Philippi, and all of that. In the midst of that, the revelation of who Jesus was came through all of that into a human heart. And he said, you are the Christ. Friends, we have to get revelation of the most important being of is Jesus who he says he is. And for some of us that are seasoned, we think, yeah, we know that. But friends, you cannot, if you know that, I've seen many people that know God but yet, they, we have to remember that it came by revelation to us. It also has to come like that to others. You cannot debate them into the kingdom. You cannot speak them into the kingdom. You cannot argue them into the kingdom. Something has to come from heaven into a human heart. And don't be fret. Don't fret, and do not worry about what's going on in their life, because that revelation can break through anything else. And that's what. Scripture is trying to show you. There is nothing that can prevent the revelation of who Jesus is. Nothing. But it has to be supernatural in origin. If it's not supernatural na- in origin, it will not last. No matter how many times a parent tells a child, no matter how many times a child tells a parent, that someday it has to be revealed to them and it's the heart has to be open and it'll take it'll take root so how do you build well for the long term number one get revelation ongoingly 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 never stop growing i used to preach to the youth be committed to grow be committed to grow when you find yourself stagnant do the basics and grow again pray again intercede again read the scripture again one of the fundamental ways a new believer will grow and the way an old believer will grow is through this this bible it's not about knowing it back to front please hear me go to the scripture and i know these are basics today but i felt in my heart to take a break from what we were talking about and talk about this i don't know why came to me in prayer yesterday go to the scripture with the author whenever i read the scripture i say holy spirit people say to me and please i'm not you know my heart people say you get such revelation from scripture i read it i don't see what you see and that may be a gift i don't know but what i do know is that when i go to the bible i say holy spirit you wrote this may it come alive to me And all of a sudden, stuff starts to jump off at the page. It says in Leviticus, if you want to tend that fire, if you want to tend that flame, it says put wood on it. My dad said this to me many years. I don't even know if he remembers, but it has stood me for so many years. He said so many people treat the Holy Spirit like he's the cleanser, like he's going to come in and clean you. The blood of Jesus is the cleanser. The blood of Jesus cleans you, justifies you, makes you free. The Holy Spirit reveals. He's the revealer. The Word of God is the builder. It's, it strengthens, it's like... And he said, I'll never forget it. And I said it last night in the meeting we had last night. Every time you read, it's like a piece of wood. If I took a match and I lit a match, if I just had that match, that's like in the Holy Spirit experience, which as you know, we're all about. That's awesome. Do your thing, Lord. But you light a match and there's a fire in a person. That match will burn out pretty fast. So you go to a conference oh fire two weeks later there's no more wood left so there's no more fire but if you take that match and you put it to a pile of wood it'll burn and he said if you want to tend the fire the priest you're the priest of your own heart every morning it says it doesn't mean you have to do it in the morning just telling you what the Bible says every morning put new wood on the fire every morning that's the word of God so sometimes you don't feel well when I read Leviticus, it sure don't feel like fire. Yeah. It feels like sleepy time, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like that. But in the spirit, you're taking wood, you're putting it on that flame. That's how you will get revelation primarily for the rest of your life. People say for a new believer, like I said, it's actually for the rest of your life. Revelation will primarily come from the scriptures. I believe in trances visions dreams i have them but it's tested by this if it's not in here yeah basic stuff but we need to hear it we need to hear it we need to hear it because you're tending a fire you're tending a flame in your heart that i'm saying don't let it burn out in a year so what happens, is like the Holy Spirit touches you. It's like he comes through you and he looks for something to grab onto. And he can only grab onto Jesus, the Word made flesh. He can only grab onto his Word. Because he will only testify to the Son. And he, he makes us come alive. But then we've got to tend that flame. So go back to Luke 6 friends to tend the fire to tend the fire of God in your heart it's so vital because all ministry comes from overflow all ministry and many people minister out of an empty cup it's not a heavy I'm trusting God to touch your hearts and to spur you on and to bring life back to you because sometimes we have to dig and sometimes we are required to dig Dwayne preached a little while ago you got to dig it out of the out of the earth something a golfing illustration i can't remember i mean it was amazing but i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> but, but you have to sometimes you just got to dig and as you begin to dig and as you begin to dig what begins to be laid up in your heart is love and truth I love for God. When I got married to my wife, I said, I have to, you have to know that I love Jesus more than you. And she said, me too. It was fantastic, actually. I was so glad she said that. <sighs> Dig. Dig deep. Don't wait for crisis. I'm not going to do the other one this week. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 6, this is what we'll cover next week. Give you up reef is that he speaks about relationships and about a tree and then he speaks about a storm it's very easy to tend the flame in your heart if you could remove yourself from society and you and God in a cave it's great I've done it I used to go away I still do some. I go away for three or four days just me and the Lord no kids no one just no one else in the mountains or in a room somewhere. And you, it's, it's, it's good. You actually need to do that. But to really tend that flame is to tend that flame in real life. Around other people. Everybody goes, oh. Yeah? Other people. Relationships. Relationships. And Jesus spends half of Luke chapter 6 speaking about other people. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you. Do this, do this, do this. And then he speaks about the storms of life. Why? Because most of the things that will come to shake the house that you are building, most of the things that will come to shake your life will come from other people. And how we let other people affect us, if we allow that to determine our future, you do not have a bright future. You don't. Because then you're allowing people to... determine who you are and your identity and how they treat you and what they say and what they do determines how i think and what is truth that's not freedom but i'm starting to preach on identity again i believe with all my heart and we'll touch this next week but i believe with all my heart that you were created to become love i believe that with all my heart jesus said you can have the gifts you can have this. I mean, Paul said, you can have everything. You can have faith that moves mountains. But if you have not love, you have nothing. And he introduced that by saying, let me show you a more excellent way. The way of love. There's something very good and integrous about a person who desires for God to use them. The Bible says, desire it. So yes, a person with integrity with a, with a good family, whatever you think is great, and they say, God, I desire for you to use me in all the things that you've paid for. I want to be used by you so people can see your glory because I don't want your payment to be made in vain. Let your spirit rest on me. And that's all good. And yet, the Bible says, there's another way and it's more excellent as the way of love. Because you were created to love. You were created to become love. If God is love, and you are made in his image. You were created to become it. So that you can love regardless of how people are to you. You can extend love. You can extend love. But what about this? What about this? What, but I can love. But I can love. But I can love. And that all comes from knowing who you are. And that's why Jesus speaks about the tree. Focus on the tree, not the fruit but we'll get there next week. I hope that was helpful, short. But at some point in your life, and I think there's many of us there now, that's why I think God's had me say this. I'll read it again. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat violently against that house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard nothing, but he who would hear and did nothing, and we know the house fell down, founded on a rock. So I know it's very simple, but I want to encourage you afresh. I want to encourage you anew dig deep in God before crisis comes get to know who he is primarily the reward for every prayer warrior is not the results they get from prayer it's the relationship that comes from it the reward for every preacher from every minister for for any believer is the relationship that comes not the results it's the relationship so as you begin to dig the question will come who is God really what does he think of me? What are his thoughts towards me? Because then you'll have your identity start to line up with truth and then you can become love and so forth, which we'll get into next week. But God loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He loves you, he loves you. He does, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Todd White has a flower that he picks he loves me 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 and that has to be at the core of it all so even when you dig deep he loves you but we have to begin to lay up foundations in our own hearts in our own lives not foundational go to a foundations course no not that prayer revelation a real relationship amen amen i just basic but helpful